This is The Creator Revealed, a production of 3ABN Television. Welcome to The Creator Revealed. I'm Tim Standish, and I'm a scientist. I work at the Geoscience Research Institute in Loma Linda, California. I am also a Christian. That means that I believe the Bible, and I believe the account of creation that's recorded in the Bible. Amen, and we have enjoyed so much the knowledge that you have shared with us during this series. And this is something that, you know, when we all encounter people who believe differently than we do, but when you encounter someone like that, how do you share these beautiful evidences of the biblical creation? That is really a very tough question. And it's one that obviously I've struggled with a lot because I have many friends and um, I've had colleagues over the years who have very different views about origins. But the first question I think we need to address is why would we bother to tell them? Uh What's so important about this? So let's turn to the Bible because it actually gives us the reason. This is Revelation 14, 6, and 7. It's probably a familiar text to many people, but I want you to look at specifically what it is telling believers to do. Then I saw another angel flying in the midst of heaven, having the everlasting gospel. So, hey, this is important. This is the everlasting gospel. And what is to be done with it? It's to be preached to all those who dwell on the earth, to every nation, tribe, tongue, and people. Wow, that's everyone. This is it. This is it. This is, this is the one. I know that when I was young, I heard people talking about the gospel, and, and I'd ask them, well, what, what is the gospel? And usually it was, well, Jesus died on the cross, or you know, we've been saved from our sins. And that, that is the gospel, without a doubt. But here, It's coming at it from a little bit of a different angle. It's one that I, as a scientist, can actually understand, hopefully, reasonably well. So so I've read this text to this point, and it's gotten me quite excited. Okay, here it is. And this angel is saying with a loud voice, fear God and give glory to him, for the hour of his judgment has come. And... Oh, dear me, if it stopped there, I would be thinking, ooh, that's pretty bad news. Judgment, I don't like that. But remember, we're talking about God's judgment here. This is righteous judgment. This is not arbitrary judgment. God is not wanting to come and destroy his creation. Actually, God's judgment is the restoration of his creation. This is, this is an amazing, this is fabulous good news. And, and, and he judges and, in favor of the saints. Precisely, precisely. Yes. And it goes on and it tells us this is, this is what we should be doing. He, it says, worship him who made heaven and earth, 
the sea and the springs of water. So this is, this is it. This is the everlasting gospel that we as Christians, all of us have been called to preach to all the world. And as we can see at its very core is the creation. Amen. Worship of the creator God who is coming back to do a new creation here. It's fabulous, fabulous news. To me, understanding the creator that God is, is it helps us under, I mean, if we understand his character, we understand creation better. But if we understand creation, we understand his character better because exactly. his invisible attributes are yes. shown in the things uh -huh. that he has created. The creation is such a powerfully beautiful thing. I mean, who wouldn't want to share it? And who wouldn't want to worship a God like that? I know, That's it's, it's it. amazing. So what I've got here are six things that we can do okay. that I believe will be helpful as we seek to share this wonderful truth with the world. Number one, only ever speak on subjects you know more about than the person you wish to convince. <laughs> In other words. In other know, words, Shelley Quinn, don't go to a geologist with his PhD who is an atheist and try to explain everything to him when he knows more than I. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. What we have, all of us, is a testimony. Right. And that testimony is unquestionable. That is your experience. Yes. So um, you certainly have that. But also, you know, for example, if you're a pastor or you're a student of the Bible, it is highly probable that you know more about the Bible than the person that you're sharing it with. You know, be a source of information that that person is not already expert in. Be helpful in that way. Don't come in and try to pretend that you know more about their area of speciality than they do. <laughs> That's simply not going to work. Um, it's, uh, um, it's a temptation sometimes, but don't do that. You will lose and you will not honor Christ. Um, now, I want to give this quotation here from Charles Darwin as an example of something that anybody should be able to spot. Okay, this is, there, there are areas where you may not be a scientist, but as you see statements like this, all Christians should be able to recognize what it is. So let me read it and tell you about it. So Darwin wrote, I would give absolutely nothing for the theory of natural selection if it requires miraculous additions at any one stage of descent. And so uh, Darwin would not uh, approve of progressive creationism, the idea that yeah. God created and did or he, he put the materials out there, then he let something develop, then he did a miracle and he let something develop. No, no, he doesn't. He is a materialist. Can you see that it is his materialistic philosophy? This is a religious belief that Darwin is expressing here. We should be able to recognize that. This is not science. I mean, right. if we observe a miracle, we should be able to document that as scientists. You know, right. why, why would we not be, who, where, where does this arbitrary rule come from, come from? That is philosophy or religion. Okay. It's not science. So we should be able to tell the difference, at least to some degree. Um, um, perhaps not 100% of the time, but this is an example. So as we talk about these things, keep an eye out for that. Don't try to argue about the science. We probably 
that you probably know less about, but certainly you can spot the religion in there. Okay. Because we're religious people. <laughs> we believe the Bible. We're Christians. A second recommendation that I would make, get your facts straight and then stick with them. Stick with the facts. Don't, don't, don't go in with some half-baked crazy theory. And hyperbole. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, if you hear somebody who, you know, sounds like they're making really dramatic claims and things, check, double check, triple check those, make sure that's really true. Because if you go in there and you have your facts wrong, I'm afraid you're going to lose your credibility and that loses you your ability to share Christ. Uh, with people. Um, yeah, the Bible talks about this sort of thing, lying lips, even if it's unintentional, lying lips are an abomination to the Lord, but those who deal truthfully are His delight. So these are things that the Bible actually lays out for us as well. Uh, better to keep silent than to say something that turns out to not be true. Number three, avoid speculation. You know, the world is full of people who are speculating about everything all the time. It seems to be the hobby of choice. <laughs> That's right. We're Christians. We like facts. We like reality. We don't have to make up stories and speculative things. We don't have to have imaginary extra universes and stuff like that. When you, when, you know, I see people doing it on a regular basis. And generally speaking, these speculations are to fill in gaps where there are questions. Some questions actually we do not have answers to. We don't know everything. Yes. Neither does anybody else. If somebody's acting like they know everything, they are simply ignorant themselves or they're trying to trade on your ignorance. Makes me think of Proverbs 4.18, that the path of the righteous grows brighter and brighter until the coming day. Mm. So we're in a continual yes. learning process. Yeah, and I, to act like we have all the truth or know well, everything would, is wrong. That would be absolutely wrong. Um, here, Paul writes about this. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. We should not be deceitful or speculative or use empty words um, to try to convince other people. It's no better going either way. Number four, seek to understand what's holding the person back from believing. It's almost never the science. So let me, let me just point this out. Scientists are human beings. Here is a wonderful quote. This is, this is from a, a philosopher, I believe. It's not recent, but it is still, it's true. Human nature doesn't, doesn't change. Uh, he wrote, it is a form of scientific idolatry, supposing that scientists are entirely free from the passions that direct men's actions, and we should have little patience with it. Scientists are human. So let's look at an example of this in Charles Darwin's writing. This is in his autobiography. He writes, I can indeed hardly see how anyone ought to wish Christianity to be true. For if so, the plain language of the text seems to show that the men who do not believe, and this would include my father, brother, and almost all my friends, will be everlasting punished. And this is a 
damnable doctrine. And you know, I have to agree with him with the final sentence, at yes. least. That teaching, and it is an error, and, and I grew up believing that we were going to be burned forever. And it wasn't until I did a deep Bible study on this and realized the truth, God isn't like that. God is not like that. We have a beautiful, wonderful God yes, to share. Not a God who is wanting to throw us into hellfire and burn us there for eternity. Right. And that's pretty clear in the scriptures. Darwin was taught that falsehood, but it put fear into him. And I will tell you that I encounter people all the time who throw up this very argument. Absolutely. It's Almost not logical. Every atheist yeah. does. It is not logical. Yeah. Okay. If that God exists, man, you better sit up and take notice. But this is not the God of the Bible. Amen. Amen. Um, Number five, do not argue to show that you're right and the other person's wrong. I mean, come on, we, we, we want to, we, Christianity is about love and humility. And we're trying to save these people, not make them look foolish. And I chose to illustrate this Ephesians 4, 14 and 15. We should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men in the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting, but speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ. This is, this is, what, you know, this is what we're trying to do as Christians. We're not trying to make ourselves look smarter or more correct than everyone else. And finally, I encourage people to share what is beautiful about the creation and encourage contemplation of this rather than fixating on questions for which there is no answer. There are plenty of unanswered questions out there. We'll, we'll find answers to many of them. We'll have to wait until Jesus comes. Yes, okay? yes, but, we But there are profound, beautiful truths in Scripture that we have to share, and those truths are evident in the Bible yes, as well. Are. That's what we have to share. Let's share that glorious truth Great with advice. Everybody. Great advice. And as Paul told Timothy, when someone disagrees with you, you must gently instruct in hopes that God will give them a change of heart. Please stay tuned. We'll be back in just a moment with a special guest. Welcome to the Minute That Makes a Difference. I'm Margot Marshall. What difference does Bible reading make? A study found that just thinking about religious themes gave people significantly more self-control when performing later unrelated tasks. Participants were given sentences containing five words to unscramble. Some contained religious themes, others didn't. Then they were asked to complete tasks that required self-control, involving enduring discomfort, delaying gratification, exerting patience, and refraining from impulsive responses. Those who unscrambled the sentences with religious themes had more self-control in completing their tasks, which surprised the lead researcher, who previously thought that religion had little practical use. So keep a Bible handy. It makes an empowering difference.
Welcome back to The Creator Revealed. We're talking today about how to share your belief in God as our Creator. And we have a special guest whom I just love, Dr. Tom Shepard. Yes, you know, Tom Shepard and I go back many years. We taught together in Nebraska, ah. and uh, now he teaches in the Adventist Theological Seminary at Andrews University in Michigan. And, and I uh, bet he has on one of his signature ties today. I bet he does as well. <laughs> uh, you won't be surprised by the style, but it could be anything. So welcome. Welcome, Dr. Shepard. Thank Hi. you so much for joining us. So we've been, we've been talking about how to share this uh, doctrine of creation with other people, people who don't already believe. Now, you're a theologian and, and you're a pastor. I know you have a pastor's heart. And so I'm wondering, from your perspective, obviously I, I've just talked about it from the perspective of a, of a scientist, but from the perspective of a pastor, what are the most effective ways of sharing the creation? And what might be some things that we would like to avoid doing if we want to be effective? Okay. Uh, the first thing is uh, you never win an argument. So it's never good to argue with people about, uh, about creation. If they don't believe, it's not good to push it on them. Um, I believe that sharing creation is actually part of sharing the gospel. Uh, so, in fact, it's a very natural place to begin in sharing the gospel uh, because it's the beginning of uh, all life on this planet and our, our universe. Uh, so it depends on the situation in which I would find myself or who I would be with, uh, exactly how I would approach this. But if I gave a scenario where I was traveling, um, this next week I'll be traveling uh, with students to Denver for professional meetings, and maybe I'll be sitting next to somebody. Uh, my way of sharing the gospel with people starts with what I call tagging. It's not actually... For me, it's, I, I heard this from somebody else. When we were little kids, we played tag, and it was tag and you're it. Uh, so in sharing the gospel in this way, uh, in just having a normal conversation with somebody about who you are, what you do, uh, that kind of thing, you share something that is um, part of your spiritual life. For me, it's fairly easy. I tell you I'm a teacher, and they say, oh, what do you teach? And I say, well, I teach the New Testament in the Bible, at a seminary, I have just tagged them. I've just told them I'm a spiritual person. And uh, are, does that interest you? So if they tag me back and they say, oh, you teach New Testament, that's really interesting. They've just said, I'm also a spiritual person and I like to talk. Now, if they say, oh, uh, do you play golf too? <laughs> then um, I may know that they may not want to talk about spiritual things. And I might tag them again, but I'm not going to push something on them. But let's suppose that somebody has, you know, showed an interest. And uh, so there, it comes up the subject of creation. Uh, of course, there are many people who are like unbelievers, uh, or a number of unbelievers. And how do you reach out to them? I think one of the best ways is to share with them uh, the benefits of believing in creation. Things like God is watching over us. God is caring for us. Uh, that there's a clear beginning, so there's a clear end where we're headed. And it's going to be glorious, according to the Bible. Uh, I also believe that uh, sharing people, 
the idea of the image of God, that we are made in his image, and the holistic anthropology of the Bible, I mean, in simple terms, to share with people, um, shares with them the benefits of, uh, of this great doctrine of creation. You know, that's, that's really interesting, because it's, it's interesting to me to see this. That's a very clever technique, this tagging tagging technique. But I was also, you know, I, I was here nodding and agreeing because, of course, uh, I think that we do agree on, on, on a number of these things, and especially, especially on this point of presenting the beauty of Amen. what's there, Amen. the attractiveness of it. You know, if we make Christianity and the idea of creation unattractive, of course people aren't going to want to do it. Now, I, I actually have another question. It's, it's related. You're going to a professional meeting next week. And for better or for worse, I know that there are a lot of theologians who have quite unbiblical um, ideas about the creation. So the question that I have is, how do you deal with people like that? They would be spiritual people already. So how, how do you deal with it? Okay, of course, um, I'm not going to argue with them. Uh, if they want to share, uh, then I would present my position on uh, the creation of the Scripture as a historical event. Now, among theologians, the question of the historicity of the first 11 chapters of the book of Genesis is a big a big issue and a big uh, debate that, that they go over. Um, but I would share maybe some aspects of the uh, creation story that point towards it being not just a sort of poetry, but it being uh, linked into history. The uh, Sabbath is actually one of those characteristics. Uh, it, the Sabbath command enshrines that whole idea of uh, the creation that in six days God made the heaven and the earth. So, uh, we we probably as professionals would talk about some aspect of the text that would go beyond what you know I might share if I was on an airplane sitting next to you know just just somebody who hadn't had that kind of experience before. Well, what about what about given your expertise in the New Testament? I I, I think about my discussions earlier with with Shelley about you know she she says I was a New Testament. Uh, Christian, am I? Am I grew I, up in yeah, a New right, Testament, a New Testament church. Church. Oh So you're a you're a professor of New Testament um, uh, uh, there in the seminary. Um, is is the creation there? Is is there a starting point that you might choose in the New Testament instead of arguing about those first eleven chapters of Genesis, back in the Old sure. Testament, of course. Sure, absolutely. The, uh, the uh, creation doctrine is found throughout the New Testament. Uh, I have a presentation that I gave you. If you had time, I could share the whole thing. It takes probably about at least half an hour or it could go on and on and on. Yeah, we'll have but, to work uh, on that one day. I'm sure it's fabulous. <laughs> yeah, throughout many, many books of the New Testament, uh, creation is this foundational kind of uh, concept. Let me share one that's uh, in the book of Matthew, chapter 19. Um, Pharisees were asking Jesus uh, whether it was all right to divorce, and uh, Jesus was very much in, in favor of staying married and not getting divorced. And the basis of his argument was that God made male and female, and he, the man leaves his father and his mother and is joined to his wife. So 
Jesus took the uh, stories of creation as historical events, because if 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 it's not historical, his argument fails. And so uh, Matthew 19 is one of those very clear indications that in the New Testament, uh, it accepts the historicity of those creation accounts. And there's, there's many examples uh, like this uh, throughout the New Testament that point in the same direction. You know, you know, one of the things that really impressed me uh, when I was reading through the Bible, and I do this every, every now and again, is where the creation shows up. And one of, you know, because, because I'm, pro, I'm, I'm not really a theologian or anything, I like those action books. <laughs> and the book of Acts is full of all of these things. And I was shocked to note how often the creation is discussed yes. there. Um, it's very, very interesting where it shows up. And, and you know, when you yeah, consider... I'm sorry, I was just going to say, if you consider the book of Romans and the whole idea of the fall and the first Adam, and I mean, the whole plan of salvation is built around the story of creation. Yes, I mean, Romans is filled with the idea of creation, and uh, the book of Acts, as uh, Tim has stated uh, also, uh, when Paul goes and talks to the Greek philosophers uh, on Mars Hill, then he refers to creation. And uh, that's the, one of the basic uh, parts of his argument. Uh, missionaries actually find it uh, useful when they're going to uh, traditional cultures to start with the story of creation as part of uh, sharing the gospel. Because it's, it's so foundational that God created the world, the world went wrong, God restores the world in the gospel. If you don't have the basis in creation and the fall, you don't have a reason for the uh, redemption that's found in Christ. So it's all interlinked together, these ideas of creation and scripture and um, sharing with them. Yeah, with well, it's, it's one of those things that's really very impressive about the scriptures, the way these, these books had many different authors, yes. but the same inspiration and everything interlinks in a very clear and logical way. Mm-hmm. There isn't a different gospel in the Old Testament than there is in Absolutely. the New Testament. Absolutely, you're right. And We've uh, always been yeah. saved by grace through faith. Right? Exactly. Well, Dr. Shepard, I want to thank you so much for joining us. Uh, it's been a real pleasure to see you again. Amen. <laughs> and give your always good to see you, Tim yeah. and Shelley. Give your sweetheart a hug from me. Thank you very much. All right. Hug. God bless. You know, when we were talking there about the book of Acts and Paul on Mars Hill, or sometimes it's called the Areopagus uh, there in Athens, it reminds me of a time when I was with a friend and we were walking through Athens and climbed up the hill towards the Acropolis there. And we saw this big plate, uh, bronze plate, and we started reading it. It was in Greek. And lo and behold, it was the story it was oh. the, the, the story that's laid out there, the sermon that was given by Paul. It was so impressive. And right there and then, it, it was probably a time when I was so profoundly struck by the fact that he actually starts off his sermon with all of these philosophers with, hey, I'm going to introduce you to the unknown God. You know who he is? This is the creator God. Amen. Yes. And then he builds everything else off that. It's quite an impressive, impressive thing. Amen. Again, I always go back to the idea that God had, Christ was the lamb slain 
before the foundation of the world. So God has had a plan in mind. He created a perfect creation, but in his foreknowledge, he knew what was going to happen and the sacrifice he'd have to make uh, and this to is, save yes. us. And this is the beautiful story. That's the gospel. The, the beautiful reality <laughs> that we as Christians have to share with the world. Amen. Yes. Amen. And we hope that this series has provided you a foundation and an understanding that you'll get out and share Jesus today. listening to The Creator Revealed, a production of 3ABN Television.